Welcome and thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. The podcast is distributed on these platforms every Friday and is included in the NAHU's weekly member-exclusive health policy newsletter, The Washington Update, giving you a head start on your weekly healthcare happy hour. For self-funded employers, navigating the world of health insurance can be complex and often overwhelming. On this week's episode of the Healthcare Happy Hour, I am joined by special guest Mark Lawrence, president of HM Insurance Group, to discuss the challenges that self-insured employers face, specifically in regard to large, unpredictable claims and how stop-loss coverage can assist them. So, before we begin... Would you mind introducing yourself and HM Insurance Group to our listeners? Sure. Thanks a lot, Dan. It's nice to be talking to you today. HM Insurance Group is a large, A-rated, AM-best stop-loss carrier. We also have a little bit of managed care insurance and reinsurance that we do. But our team of around 300 people is essentially focused day-to-day on the stop-loss business and stop-loss essentially is a business of what's happening on the the large claim side of things. And for myself, I've been in this president role for about a year and a half. I've been with HM for a little bit more than four years. I came over to help run their underwriting area around four years ago. And before that, I worked for a little bit more than 20 years with a couple of different reinsurance companies, but primarily focused on the the health and, and stop loss space over that time. Excellent. Happy to have you on the podcast today. As I mentioned before, the primary topic of today's episode is unpredictable claims. As most folks know, large claims can be unpredictable, but what constitutes large and what constitutes unpredictable? Yeah, it's an interesting question because healthcare claims right run on a continuum, and you can imagine everything from a, you know your average emergency room visit, which at this point probably costs a little bit more than $1,000 or, you know, going to your doctor's office, which those visits usually reimbursed around 60 or $70, something like that. But at the higher end of the spectrum, right, where you have premature babies born or you have uh, cancer, heart conditions, these kind of things, these claims can run into the hundreds of thousands and, and millions of dollars. And for the most part, people don't see a lot of what happens in that space, right? We don't like to think about what's happening on the financial side of things when people are at their sickest. But from our end of the world, you know, we think of claims in HM's world, right? A, a large claim is a claim that's $500,000. And we also sort of look at the layers above that, above the $500,000, a million dollars, $2 million. And, you know, if you go back to 10 years or so ago, Dan, before the ACA was passed, most policies had limits, policy limits on the amount of medical claims that could be reimbursed in one year. And those limits were typically around $1 million or $2 million. And we very rarely saw claims over top of those amounts. And now with those policy limits being removed, it's really kind of taken us into a whole new space in terms of the, the number of claims that we see above that level, but also how far above that, that level they can get. And how would you say these claims look across, say, a group, block, or even across an entire population? 
Yeah, it's it's actually really interesting because it's kind of like, in a nutshell, like basic statistics, right? When you have a small population, right? You have an employer that has 150 employees in a year, it's unusual to have, you know, on a group of that size to have a claim that's excess of a hundred or $200,000, but it can happen. But it can also happen in a rare circumstance, right? That you could get a claim, a $500,000 claim, a million dollar claim, and above that. And it's only when you start adding really a whole bunch of more people to the mix. So if you had a a employer with 150 lives, if you have an employer with 10,000 lives, it would frankly be expected that in a single year would have a claim or maybe a couple of claims above $500,000. They might have uh, ones above that. Most employers, right, when when you get to the really jumbo employers, typically over 20 or 30,000 lives, they sort of stop buying stop loss because even at those higher dollar amounts, the claims start to become in essence, kind of more predictable. But if you think about it from the perspective of your average 150 life employer, you're not going into a year expecting that you're going to have one of those claims, but it certainly can happen. And it has a really sort of outsized impact on the on the performance of their health plan. So typically, I guess the, my, my big point is, you know, the, the smaller the group is, right, these claims can happen. And when it happens, it can have a real sort of big impact on, on the results of their health plan. So you mentioned these large claims, these claims in excess of 500,000, a million, maybe even 2 million. So what experience do you have with these high level claims? It's actually really interesting from our point of view. And we just kind of have came through a, a recent period where with COVID, right, we've kind of had these sort of, I would call it nicely lulls of these kind of claims where we really haven't had very many. And then we have a bunch of them come in in a relatively short period of time. And so Across our whole book of business, when we have roughly around three million insured lives that we're covering, and we have you know actuaries that develop models and, and create these sort of expected claim tables for us. So in the in the first quarter of this year, in the first quarter of 2022, we were expecting to get in 39 claims above $500,000. We actually got in 69. And we were expecting to get in around $37 million of claims from those 39 expected claimants. We got in $63 million. So, you know, it's interesting, like from a, just a, what are you expecting to get versus what actually happens even across 3 million covered lives, right? The results can be widely variable. And, you know, that kind of got me to thinking if it's variable for us, I was at work for, you know, an employer with 150 or 500 or even a thousand lives, that level of unexpected claims development can really be an unpleasant surprise financially for the employer. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned a few situations that might generate such high claims, but I'm wondering what other types of conditions generate such high claims? Yeah. So when we think about our claims that are the highest claims, they're typically situations that are I guess I would say generally like not uncommon, like we all generally speaking, like in our families or acquaintances, we know people where they've had a premature baby, for example, right? But it's the degree of prematurity that sort of counts. So if you're an expectant mother and you have your baby at 35 weeks, right, that's clearly premature. But the highest dollar claims are babies that are born literally at 24, 25, 26 weeks, or babies that are born at closer to full term, but with, you know, significant congenital deformities. Like one of the ones that we see 
probably half a dozen or so times a year is this condition called tetralogy of Fallot, where essentially the arteries for the heart are connected to where the veins should be, and the veins are connected to where the arteries should be. So, you know, the, the baby's heart is just not functioning and not oxygenating their body the way they should be. And so it really is typically for that condition, a couple of really significant heart surgeries that happen over a period of time. But again, when we think about, okay, well, you have a baby that has a, a condition, right, or it's born a little bit premature, a little bit of prematurity doesn't create a big claim up. A baby that's born at 24, 25, 26 weeks typically generates a very big claim, often you know, well over a million dollars. Babies that are born with this tetralogy of fallow condition, which is, again, a very unusual birth defect, it is correctable, but that correction process is typically, again, well over a million dollars. We've got, think about cancer claims, right? Lots of people in our families, we know people that have had cancer. But for people with very severe forms of cancer that require bone marrow or stem cell transplants, sometimes those transplants are rejected by the body. And we have what's called graft versus host disease, where the body essentially rejects the transplanted tissue and it creates a whole sort of storm of problems with the person. And again, typically the person's going to be, you know, in an intensive care setting for a relatively speaking long period of time. And again, those types of claims are typically for us well over a million dollars. Think about the same thing with heart conditions. And so there's there's really a bunch of different things that can kind of get you there. But when we get to that sort of excess of 500,000, excess of a million, $2 million type of numbers, these are really what I would call the most complicated you know, you take what's already not a good situation and you make it just sort of at the very far end of the spectrum of complicated medical stuff that's going on. And it's just very sort of difficult. You know, I clearly don't envy the people that are dealing with these conditions, but even just from a medical point of view, they're really throwing everything that they can at it to sort of put the person into a better spot. And, and all that stuff is great, but costs money, it generates bills. And, you know, for the self-funded employer, that's something that they've really got to wrap their head around as they go out into, you know, providing healthcare benefits for their employees, they have to be prepared for that potential, even, you know, not likely, but potential worst case scenario. Yeah. So you know, underwriters can be as good as any in the industry, but you know, as you mentioned, even earlier with the, the difference between what you expected and the claims that actually came in, it's still obviously a significant challenge to predict cases that will have these large multi-million dollar claims. So why do you think it's still so difficult to predict that? Yeah, that's a really good question, Dan. We think about that a lot, right? Because we put a lot of effort, time, energy, money into our underwriting process. We have really, I think, talented and experienced people. And just in terms of the information we get, we have, in some instances, really complete and detailed claim data to work from. We have predictive analytic tools that we use. We have prior year experience. We have, frankly, in my view, like pretty sophisticated and detailed pricing models. All of those things, frankly, are not very good at predicting the types of claims that are going to happen at the tail end of the claim spectrum, right? And if you think about, there's millions of mothers that are pregnant and, and give birth every year. And, and the vast majority of those pregnancies are the baby's born well and, and everything's great. And then there's some babies that are born, like I said earlier, maybe at 30 or 35 weeks, you know, premature, but clearly the baby is typically able to thrive and, 
and grow and sort of resume the, the normal track of, of their development. What's very difficult to determine is which expected mothers are going to give birth to babies that are born extremely premature or conversely, like which cancer cases are going to develop to kind of go into a very sort of tough track, which require a lot of additional treatment, which people that go into the hospital for surgeries are going to develop infections and septicemia and, and require a very long-term hospital stay with advanced antibiotics. And a lot of them end up with, you know, sort of multi-system organ failure. All of these things are kind of a confluence of a number of, of events that frankly are just from our point of view, like very difficult to predict. We have, you know, some questions that came in through some of our employer groups that we work with that were sort of, you know, effectively like, well, why can't we we do a better job of predicting where those claims are going to happen? The reality is like, we really spend a lot of time focused energy on trying to predict where they're going to happen. We're just frankly not very good at it. So we've discussed these large claims. What makes them sort of unpredictable? How it's so difficult for these self-funded employers to deal with them? So that all being said, what can self-funded employers do to protect themselves against these large, unpredictable claims? Dan, I think one of the things that we think about, right, there's a lot of different programs and stuff like that that employers can look at in the market to help them deal with those situations. But from a risk point of view, from a straight risk point of view, looking at it the same way that, that I would as a stop loss carrier or reinsurer, really the best defense that you can have is to buy protection to, to sort of stop or truncate those claims that go where the dollars get really, really high. So, you know, if I'm an employer, right, and again, most employers work with their brokers and they try and figure out, you know, what deductibles and so on they want to attach at, or if they're larger employers, do they want to buy coverage at all? All that being said, just having a good, consistent, reasonable stop loss program in place can provide an employer a peace of mind that in the event that one of those situations does happen, right, their liability is truncated and they're going to be in a good position financially to deal with those things. Again, it's it's a rare event, but when it happens, it can have really sort of severe financial consequences. And so I kind of look at it, it's just like a good sleep easy protection for the employer to make sure that they feel good about the fact that their, their employee health plan is protected and they're in a good spot for the future. Absolutely. If folks listening are interested in learning more about HM Insurance Group and stop loss programs, where can they go? So we have a website, hmig.com. And on that website, we have 18 regional sales directors throughout the country. The map of the country and how to get a hold of them is all on there. One of the best things about HM is that we have this setup. So we have people in markets throughout the US that, in my opinion, are just very knowledgeable and expert in this space. And I would honestly just reach out to them and they will help direct you to a place where we can figure out a way to work together and, and help employers box in their liability on this stuff, which is a very challenging part of the stop loss industry, but from the employer's point of view, basically boxing up their liability and making sure that they're in a good spot going forward. We, Like I said, we've got 18 people around the country that would be happy to help make that work for employers. And before we conclude today, is there anything else you'd like listeners to know? I think the big thing that I would want to leave people with is that we have a lot of people that are good in this business that understand it, that think about it all day, every day. And I wouldn't know if I use the word struggle, but it is challenging to figure out the right thing to do, where these claims are going to come and how big they're going to be. 
And I guess what I would just sort of say is if it's challenging for us to wrap our heads around that, it's probably more challenging for the employers and and the brokers. So without trying to create a whole bunch of uh, alarm or concern for them, right, the, the, the easiest way to sort of deal with that is just to buy good protection from a reputable company and put that risk in a box. And then that way you don't have to deal with it going forward. You just have that looked after and go about running your business, which is what most of these employers, they get up in the morning thinking about how to run their business. We get up thinking about how to run our business. We can make it easier for them. Just give them one less thing to worry about. It is now time for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour Toast of the Week. So Mark, who are we toasting to this week? I'd like to toast to our employees and our brokers and our clients and wish everybody good health. It's been a very interesting ride here over the last couple of years. We're talking about large claims. We're coming out of what's really been a pretty rough couple of years with COVID stuff. With all that backdrop of all that going on, I would like to toast everyone who's listening to their good health. Cheers. Thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. For more information on NAHU's government affairs efforts or to become a member, visit NAHU.org.